0: City 360 views and news from around Winnipeg my name is Nolan Bicknell with me as always is my co-host Robert Zerk
1: on today's show we'll be joined in studio by RC 360 Stacey Cardigan Smith she'll tell us an incredible story about a refugee claimant from Chile and how an oppressive government
0: led him to move to Winnipeg and start a new life. Then we'll hear from Cal Barteski, artist and advocate for polar bears. She recently set up the Polar Bear Fund and is working to help fund non-invasive polar bear research.
1: We'll also hear from Noah Ehrenberg, the convener of Community News Commons, and he'll tell us about what's happening this week through the lens of Community News Commons.
0: All this, some great tunes, some listener calls, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Good morning, and welcome to River City 360. Nolan and Robert with you here this morning. Summer has begun, kind of. It's
1: uh, a little. <laughs> I don't know that I would go that far. Hey, I'm calling um, it.
0: I'm calling it. It's official. It's the weather this week has been a little bit unpredictable. I mean, that's Winnipeg. That's Manitoba, really. My dad used to always say. Welcome to Winnipeg. If you don't like the weather, just wait five minutes, cause it's bound to change, and that's pretty much how it goes here. But hey, I'm calling it. I saw uh, earlier this week. I saw people on the patio enjoying some drinks. I mean, that's the first. That's the true first sign of summer, I think. When, that is very true. Winnipegers hit patio the patio season to be in. It's, it's the full best. Effect. It's the absolute best. Uh, so today's show is fantastic. Um, we're going to be talking polar bears. We're going to be talking refugees. We're going to be talking community news commons. We're going to be talking. All sorts of things, so uh, thank you very much for listening, Uh, but before we get everything kicked off, let's listen to Polka Dots and Moonbeams by Ed Bickert, right here on River City 360. Thank you for listening to River City Three Hundred and Sixty. We are now joined in studio by Stacy Cardigan Smith, senior producer, right here at RC Three Hundred and Sixty. Stacy, thank you for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me. So
0: you recently sat down with Jean Pierre Venegas of Welcome Place. Um, we've had Rita Chahal, the executive uh, executive director, on the show before. Uh, but tell us a little bit about JP's story. Uh, I understand it's very extensive and very interesting.
2: Sure. Um, JP, he's currently the property manager at Manitoba Interfaith Immigration Council, which, of course, we know is Welcome Place. Um, And he's been involved with Welcome Place for 14 years, ever since he arrived in Winnipeg as a refugee claimant.
0: So so what's a refugee claimant for those of our listeners that maybe don't understand what that means exactly?
2: Sure. Well... um, To explain, I'll just kind of use the example of all the Syrian refugees right now. When you hear about the Syrian refugees, for the most part, they are government sponsored or they can be privately sponsored. But there's somebody here um, in Canada that's paying for some of the costs associated with bringing them in and is kind of signing on and saying that they're going to... um, help them like a sponsor basically. yeah sponsor yeah. them and help them get acclimatized to what is life in canada well a refugee claimant is somebody who kind of shows up at canada's door and says look i have nowhere else just to just claiming go.
0: sanctuary or yeah. whatever the word is can, yeah.
2: can be yeah okay, exactly
0: cool. interesting so tell us a little bit about jp a, a refugee claimant here in winnipeg now
2: sure he was born in chile and uh, he grew up through the military dictatorship um, he graduated from law school and uh, began working for the Chilean national airline where he dealt with union complaints and human rights violations um, and that kind of made him a target for the Chilean government so he
0: was going uh, he was dealing with um, unions that would be against the government or how how does it
2: so he was representing um, uh, employees of the of the airline okay. who would file complaints against the airline and there uh, because it was okay. the national airline it was uh, a rep- represented by the government.
0: So I can't imagine that being a very easy job to do, especially against a dictatorship?
2: No, um, and the political climate, uh, it made his job very, very difficult. It was essentially um, kind of, if you're not with us, you're against us kind of mm-hmm. thing. And uh, because JP was fighting for the rights of the workers union, he was literally going up against the government. Um, I'll let JP explain here.
3: Uh, as part of the the union, we have a lot of uh complaints grievances of people being fired uh, unfairly because of their, their political position right so most of these people were were threat and uh, and pushed and they forced them to work under very bad conditions just because they were uh, part of a or they think different that they the the government at that time right so that's what happened they they complained to the Union the Union take over of those uh, grievance and uh, we realized that basically there was no underground except that the people were were being uh, abused just because they think differently
2: So because of the pressure from the government and fearing for his own safety, JP ended up switching jobs, and he moved from the Chilean National Airline to Delta Airlines, um, where he was uh, stationed in Atlanta, Georgia, in the United States.
0: So at this time, he's living in Atlanta, working for Delta, but is he going back to Chile at all?
2: He has his family still there, so he's visiting from time to time. But when he did, he continued to feel the pressure of the oppressive government, um, and partly because his father was still involved with the National Transportation Union.
3: It was not safe uh, my father was a, uh, a member of uh, the national uh, union for uh, transportation, was one of the leaders of that union so basically at that time if you're not with the government you were immediately tagged as a communist right, so it's either far right or far left kind of thing so um, I find out that I was uh, I had a, like a profile as a communist when I never was a communist, right? So when I tried to, when I tried to uh, fix that situation is when I realized that it was not safe anymore for me. So I decided to leave.
2: So in 2001, after 9-11, Delta put flights to and from Chile on hold, so things were very uncertain for JP. Um, most of the routes were temporarily temporarily closed and um, so he was JP was pretty much uh, stranded in the States um, and he began to realize or he realized it wasn't safe for him to go back to Chile
0: yeah like all flights were cancelled basically so what what are his options at this point then did he try to stay in the US or become a a refugee there
2: well he had applied uh, to both Canada and Australia to be a refugee claimant and a couple of months later right around Christmas of 2001 he got a telegram that changed his life.
3: I get a at that time I got a telegram. There was no no internet that we have today, but I had a telegram. And it was between Christmas and the year, and December. And they said, "Okay, you have to be in a, in Emerson, Manitoba on January 2nd." And I said, "Where in the name of God is Emerson, Manitoba?" <laughs>
2: so JP got a map and he drove north for three days. At that time, he was living in South South Florida. So he drove up to Emerson, Manitoba in the middle of January in a car with no heat.
0: Oh, I don't wish that on anyone. Uh, Before we get into that and ask you about his trip and what he's up to now, uh, we're going to take a quick musical break. Um, So when we come back, we'll hear more about J.P. Venegas, what he decided to do, how he made it to Canada, and the three-day trip to Winnipeg in the middle of winter in a car with no heat. Uh, But first, here is Petula Clark with her song, Call Me, right here on River City 360
4: if you're feeling sad and lonely there's a service i can render tell the one who loves you only i can be so warm and tender call me. don't be afraid you can call me maybe it's late but just call me tell me and i'll be around when it seems your friends desert you there's somebody
0: back to river city 360 we are continuing our discussion uh, about jp finagas of, of welcome place with stacy cardigan smith stacy thanks for joining us thank you uh so before the break you were telling us about jp uh, a chilean refugee claimant and his trip to canada nearly 15 years ago uh, before the break we found jp on a three-day trek to manitoba from south florida in a car with no heat that must have made quite the trip
2: it was quite the trip, and I'll let JP uh, explain that.
3: My vehicle was a Florida vehicle, so it was a very good air conditioning, but the heat was not good at all, right? So it's me driving with two jackets and a blanket and a you know like scraping the windows inside, and um, for three days.
2: So when he finally arrived at the US-Canada border, he spent about six hours being interviewed by border services um, during the screening process, and eventually he was granted access to Canada as a refugee claimant. Um, While he was at the border, one of the people he met happened to speak Spanish, so uh, JP approached him. They started talking, and this man, he actually worked at Welcome Place and was picking up people at the border. So that was JP's first connection with Welcome Place, and he got information about the center and decided to go there once he arrived in Winnipeg. JP received support from Welcome Place's In Canada protection program. So this program helps refugee claimants find shelter, food, and appropriate clothing, um, facilitates access to health and translation services, as well as aids the refugees um, as they file their board claim, which is what they file in order to gain um, residency here in Canada. And
0: that's not necessarily government sponsored, that's from Welcome Place's own...
2: Yeah, that would, uh, refugee claimants definitely wouldn't be government-sponsored. Okay. Gotcha. It would only be, yeah, yeah. they wouldn't be privately or government-sponsored. Those would be the people that show up with no other way. They just kind of show up right. at Canada's door. Crazy. Um, Due to changes in its funding structure, Welcome Place doesn't receive any funding to run programs um, for refugee claimants. Um, But despite this, Welcome Place offers programming at a deficit Hmm. just because they believe it's very important that everyone in Canada should have support. Um, Really, without this type of programming, these refugee claimants wouldn't have anything. What are
0: they going to do? Yeah.
2: Um, So but I should also note that the Winnipeg Foundation recently approved a grant to support this program. So they're no longer having to run it at that deficit. Cool. Um, and interestingly, there are generally between 50 and 60 refugee claimants each year.
0: Just at Welcome Place? At oh. Welcome Place, okay. yeah.
2: But already this year, there have been 160 refugee claimants involved with the organization. Wow. So that's a big jump. Um,
0: Especially so early in the year already. Exactly. That's yeah. Crazy.
2: So I mean, they're kind of looking into to see to see why that has happened. There's nothing kind of they can, you know, draw a correlation between quite yet. But so, That's something they'll be coming out with.
0: So JP is a property manager at Welcome Place. Uh, I understand he's been so he's been involved with Welcome Place for the last almost 15 years
2: yeah he began volunteering at welcome place shortly after he arrived and for about 10 years he was the one that would actually go to the border and pick up the new arrivals um just like the man he met when he first arrived it in Canada. it all comes full
0: circle it eh? does isn't Very that cool. nice
2: so he's been in winnipeg since then and he received his canadian citizenship citizenship about five years ago he and his wife have a 10 year old son born here in canada and he continues to work at welcome place um helping others coming to canada uh, make a better life for themselves and for their families along the process
3: you get to know the city and and you get to know the people and you get to know the services that you are having around here and and i love it and i'm a i'm a true winnipegger now
0: that is fantastic he is a true winnipegger now Uh, so where can people find out more about jp's story and more about welcome place
2: well, you can uh, look for my article in the Winnipeg Foundation's upcoming Winnipeg Working Together magazine. Um, it should be online in early May, um, or you can always learn more about Welcome Place, um, also known as the Manitoba Interfaith Immigration Centre at www.miic.ca.
0: Thank you very much, Stacey Cardigan-Smith, for talking to us today and telling us all about JP's story.
2: Thanks, Nolan.
1: Thanks, Nolan. Coming up after the break, we'll hear from artist Cal Barteski, and she'll tell us all about the Polar Bear Fund, and how her passions led her to give back through that fund. But first, here's Jack the Bear by the Duke Ellington Orchestra, right here on River City 360.
0: back to River City 360. Nolan and Robert with you here this morning. Our next story is about Cal Barteski, a local artist well known for her work in illustrated typography and how her passions led her to give back through an endowment fund at the Winnipeg Foundation.
1: We spoke with her a few weeks ago and asked her how she got into illustrated typography. And Nolan, it was kind of accidental. Hmm. Um, in fact, it all started when she was waiting for a friend at a local restaurant <laughs> And wanted to write some notes.
5: And I happened to have a paintbrush and some black paint in my bag. But no pen. So I decided to write my notes out with a paintbrush. And I thought it looked kind of cool. So I scanned it when I got home and added it to my blog and completely, 100% forgot about it.
1: One year later, she gets a phone call. From a friend in Vancouver who tells her
5: you're selling your work in Vancouver said so, oh, I'm not selling my work in Vancouver.
1: So Cal's friend sends her a photo of the piece she bought and it's her it's, it's a it's an example of her art. It's the exact same paintbrush script
5: that i had uploaded to my blog someone had been printing it and selling it it turned out that it had been posted and reposted almost four million times on myspace and tumblr it was being sold on apparel it was on the covers of magazines and it was pretty much on any kind of merchandise you might have ever imagined and i had no idea
0: that's hard to imagine especially in a time where everyone is so connected that's something you've worked on going totally viral and only finding out about it an entire year later
1: and yet that's what happened so eventually she worked things out with the store that was selling her work in vancouver and she decided to pursue illustrated typography more and more which she's been doing for seven years now
0: very cool i've actually seen her art on instagram and stuff and it's uh, it's really cool really distinct art style Art wound up leading Cal to another of her interests, which is polar bears.
5: I was taking advertising art, and one of our classes was to go to the zoo and draw animals. So I found myself in front of the polar bear, and I had never seen a polar bear before, and I just really was taken with her.
0: Every so often she went back to visit and sketch, and at one point she painted a large painting of Debbie the polar bear. Then a few weeks later she gets a phone call from producers working with Animal Planet, the TV channel.
5: And they said, we are looking to take uh, an artist who is obsessed with polar bears to Churchill, Manitoba. And I didn't consider myself obsessed with polar bears. I, I loved them. They're, they're really wonderful. I don't think that's a surprise. I think everyone loves them. If they don't, they should. But So I said, sure, I'd like to go to Churchill. I don't think seeing polar bears in real life will change my world. And so I went. And lo and behold, it completely changed my world.
0: Cal has been to Churchill seven times and will be going back again this summer. After her first trip, she said she went from just being interested in polar bears to being, quote, completely obsessed.
5: When you stand on the beach behind the complex in Churchill, you are actually standing on the shore of the Arctic Ocean. It has these huge surfable waves and whales. And at the time that I was there, there were belugas in the river. There were orcas swimming through the bay. There were polar bears walking on the beach. It just blew my mind. Like this is, this is cool. We live in such a cool place and I don't think people know that. And even if they know it, right? I feel like until you go there, you just do not feel the magnitude of how cool that is.
0: That's quite an incredible picture to imagine.
1: It is, so these two interests of Cal's continued to intertwine when she decided to establish the Polar Bear Fund at the Winnipeg Foundation.
5: What I want the Polar Bear Fund to do is to be able to support projects that are innovative and creative.
1: In other words, non-invasive polar bear research.
5: And the other side of the fund was really to bring attention to the fact that Manitoba has one of the largest denning areas for polar bears in the entire world, which means we are kind of an epicenter for mother bears. Um, It is our responsibility to make sure that they're being treated with the utmost respect and care.
1: She explained that the mother bears are the ones that are usually equipped with radio collars.
5: So they essentially run them down with a helicopter or drop down in a snowbank into their den, surprise them, tranquilize them, tranquilize their kids, do a bit of an assessment, put this collar on that's really too tight. and makes life for them a lot harder. So you would think that if you wanted the population to flourish, you would treat the moms with cubs, the moms with the future generations, with sort of the utmost care and respect. So
0: I'm guessing the projects that the Polar Bear Fund supports will take on a different approach?
1: Exactly. And part of the reason why she chose to set up the Polar Bear Fund at the Winnipeg Foundation is because it was important for her to keep the fund Manitoba-based and also for it to be able to make grants supporting that area forever.
5: The endowment fund, the permanence, appealed to me because I am just going to believe 100% that polar bears will be around for a long time and we will need that fund to continue This is where polar bears live. This is where we can make a huge difference. This is sort of where we have to care about them.
0: It's a great way to not only honor the polar bears that live here, but to make a difference right here in Manitoba for years to come.
1: Absolutely. And through her artwork and upcoming events, Cal is continuing to help build the Polar Bear Fund.
5: Coming up in October, I'm having a a multi-artist art show that will sort of give a broader look into the different aspects of polar bears. So we'll have a couple of different artists, some photographers, some spoken word. I'm trying really hard to get the illustrated typography to be a part of this polar bear journey because I think when people See words, and when they hear those words, they might take them to heart just a little bit more. And actually, there's different things on my website that you can buy. The, the proceeds go to the Polar Bear Fund.
1: And if you'd like to learn more about Cal Barteski or the Polar Bear Fund, her website is calbarteski.com. That's k a l b a r t e s k i.com.
0: very much to Cal Barteski for sharing your story with River City 360. Coming up after the break, we'll hear some feedback on a recent piece we did on artists in healthcare. We got a great message on our listener line, and we would love to share it with you. But first, here's Stan Kenton and his orchestra with Artistry in Rhythm on River City 360.
1: Welcome back to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you this morning. We love hearing from our listeners and just want to remind you that our listener line is always open. If you'd like to give us feedback or request a song, please do. Our number is 204-944-9474, extension 360.
0: In an interview on a previous show, we spoke with Shirley Grierson of Artists in Healthcare, a program where professional and amateur artists play music for patients dealing with potentially difficult times, you know, during their hospital stays. And we actually had a wonderful call on our listener line that we we, we just had to share with you. Colleen had this to say.
4: I
1: have in the past been a patient at Cancer Care Manitoba, and I remember sitting in a clinic on Tuesday afternoon just waiting to see the doctor and a person there were two people that played um, really nice music and it um, I'm a musician myself and it just I I just really enjoyed it so much and I was able to talk with them one played the harp and the other played the flute so um, I think I've only heard it once maybe but that it was a great um a great uh, peaceful thing for me to witness while I was uh, waiting for my uh, appointment
0: thanks Thank you so much, Colleen, for the call. We really appreciate it. Uh, If you or anyone you know has had an experience with artists in healthcare or you want to talk about the Polar Bear Fund or about Welcome Place or any of the stories we've covered in today's show or any previous episodes of River City 360, please don't hesitate to give us a call. We would love to hear from you. Again, our listener line is open 24-7, so you can call 204-944-9474 extension 360. Leave us a message, request a song, tell us a story, anything you want Say Again, that's 204-944-9474, extension 360. Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you this morning, and we're now joined in studio by Noah Ehrenberg. He's the convener of Community News Commons. Noah, thanks for joining us.
6: Yeah, it's great to be here.
0: So for our listeners that may not have heard you in the past, uh, you know, couple dozen weeks. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what Community News Commons is and, and why our listeners should care.
6: Well, Community News Commons is a citizen journalism project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU. And what we do is we encourage people to tell stories, multimedia stories, so you can write articles, take photographs, uh, you know, shoot video or or, or uh, record some audio and then um, tell the story from your community and we publish that on Community News Commons. So that's on communitynewscommons.org is the name of the website. And as the editor of it, I help citizens of all ages and all abilities tell these stories.
0: So. If you've never been a writer or you've never been a videographer, you can you can learn how to tell a story of your community and kind of whatever you want. Or is there a specific?
6: Well, exactly. You can you you. Uh, I give you direction uh, in terms of uh, you know how to tell that story. What are some of the more relevant points? But then there's also some training that we have coming up at the end of May, and we'll be probably talking about that next week. Cool. Uh, that uh, is free, and people can come out to that at the Millennium Library and at the Winnipeg Free Press Cafe, and we have professional journalists that come in and uh, help. Us- uh, to, uh you know, teach people how to tell these multimedia stories. So
0: young or old, no matter what experience level you're at, you can learn how to tell a story, learn how to be a citizen journalist. So uh, what are some of the citizen journalists writing about this week?
6: Well, uh, one of the more interesting stories I came across uh, the communitynewscommons.org this week was about um, a disease called celiac. And, That's um, gluten sensitivity. That's correct, and uh, you might not believe this, but uh, one in ten people uh, are impacted or affected by celiac.
0: I, I believe that. And, yeah, when uh, I was, a, I used to be a, wa- a server, and would uh, be one, uh, one, about one in ten tables would ask for the gluten-free menu. So yeah. I, I believe that.
6: And uh, citizen journalist Donalda Johnson, uh, she reports that it typically takes more than a decade to be diagnosed with celiac disease or gluten sensitivity, okay. and so people go to their doctor, they have abdominal pain, and for years they will not get the proper diagnosis and it really all huh. what it comes down to is awareness and if doctors and the regular population is aware of of this disease and how common it is and how common a gluten uh sensitivity is it would be that much better right. that much faster and then of course Uh, You would think that, you know, in restaurants and in supermarkets, you would get more gluten-free options. So what they've done is they've declared May, the month coming up, as Celiac Awareness Month. So it's an interesting story by Denalda Johnson that I think our listeners would be interested in reading.
0: Right on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand there was a, a, a story that got quite a few shares and likes uh, on social media this week. Tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about that. I thought well, that was interesting.
6: It has to do with uh, the situation over at the old public safety building. Um, you know that sort
0: of a hot button topic here in Winnipeg, a little y- bit.
6: Yeah, it, it really is because there are you know some people that think it's an eyesore. We should uh, destroy it, demolish it. Uh, others uh, look at it in a different way. They see it as a modernist structure. That um, you know should be preserved as part of Winnipeg's architectural Hmm. heritage. And this week, Shirley Kowalczyk had a couple of stories about it because City Hall, um, uh, the Property and Development Heritage and Downtown Development, uh, or sorry, the um, Standing Policy Committee on Property and Development Heritage and Downtown Development, they met at City Hall and they decided to. uh, you know, to put it, slate it for demolition. And so wow. City Hall will vote on this uh, sometime in the near future. But Shirley has a very interesting, she's got two stories that uh, take a look at this building and at, um, you know, basically whether we should tear it down or what the value of it is mm-hmm. and what the debate is all about. Right. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. that's an interesting discussion because both sides have relatively decent points to be made. But yeah. Uh
6: Oh, yeah. And, and, and uh, I must say that in the weeks uh, or actually th- uh, in the days ahead on CNC Shirley's going to do a cost analysis oh, okay. of, uh, you know, how much will it cost to actually demolish this building? Pro and con? Exactly. And uh, is it actually sustainable? Right. Because the city is obligated to do things that are sustainable economically and environmentally. And if you do the cost analysis... It uh, may not necessarily be that sustainable to actually demolish a building like that.
0: Right. Oh, interesting. I mean, you look at
6: the Union Bank Tower that is now Red River College, right. uh, you know, uh, residences. Yeah. Right. That That's was one th- of
0: the photos of the day on CNC. Exactly.
6: Yeah, and we should remind our listeners that photos of the day they change every day, and mm-hmm. um, you can certainly submit a photo of the day to uh, communitynewscommons.org. So if you are
0: a photographer, either by trade or by uh, hobby. by hobby, yeah, su- submit your photos. And well, Noah, every week we. Invite you in here, and and we ask you to bring some sort of a local song for us because we play a lot of oldies here on CJNU, but we like to also infuse our listeners with a little bit of local flair and a little bit of Winnipeg talent. So, what have you brought for us this week?
6: Okay, so this is not the oldies, and this is that's okay, that's <laughs> this, okay. This isn't from the playlist from the CJ from the usual yeah. CJNU. So, I'm, I'm that's the provide the um, the uh, uh sorry. So this is not um, from the CGNU playlist. From but the it, vault? <laughs> it's not from the vault. It is. It's a um, melody-driven uh, pop punkish trio. Cool. Okay. So uh, they're called Mully Grub. And um, they have a new debut or they have a debut album coming out called Soft Grudge uh, this month. And uh, they will be at the Goodwill on um, Portage Avenue there April the 23rd to celebrate the release of this uh, new album. And then right after that, Mully Grub will hit the road. For a Western Canadian tour in May. Cool. So this week I would like to feature a, a song by Mully Grubb called Anyways However from their debut album Soft Grudge here on ninety three point seven FM CGNU River City three sixty.
0: That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you very much for listening and a huge thank you to all of our guests for talking to us this morning. If you'd like to hear more views and
1: news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes or subscribe to our podcast. You can visit us online at rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org.
0: River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. Is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation, in partnership with Community News Commons and CJNU 93.7 FM.
1: And again, we would love to hear your feedback about anything we've covered on this week's show. Or if you'd like to suggest a topic for a future show, give us a call. Our number, 24 hours, our listener line, 204-944-9474, extension 360. Leave us a message. Again, that's 204-944-9474, extension 360.
0: We're also on Twitter and Facebook, at RiverCity360 on Twitter, and search RiverCity360 on Facebook. I'm Nolan Bicknell, signing off for RiverCity360.
1: And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great Sunday.